the network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. This is AV Nation. AV Week is produced and distributed through a partnership with AV Nation and Rave Publications. For more information, go to ravepubs.com forward slash AV Nation. This is AV Week, episode 32, recorded Friday, March 9th, 2012. Randy gets a pager. Ready. AV, AV Week. Performing scan. This is AV Week. AV. AV Week. It's time for AV Week, your weekly wrap-up of audiovisual news and information. I'm your host, Tim Albright. Welcome to this week's show. Uh, this is kind of a special, uh, special edition for me. Personally, uh, I've had a long, long love of Crestron, so it's my very, very good pleasure to welcome all, actually all four gentlemen uh, here today. The first one uh, up for uh, up for welcoming is Randy Klein. Randy is the Executive Vice President from Crestron Electronics. Welcome, sir. Thank you, sir. Uh, also with him is Fred Bargetzi. He is the Vice President of Technology for Crestron hey, Electronics. Uh, in studio with me is Michael Drainer. He is of Tech Electronics. All kinds of electronics going on. Yay, I'm back. <laughs> and uh, from the West Coast, Rich Fragosa from Fragosa De- from Fragosa Designs. How are you, dude? Hey guys, I'm doing good. I'm actually in a uh, undisclosed uh, location in a Crestron controlled 16 seat personal theater. So I thought I'd bring you know that that little bit of ambiance to the conversation. Well, that's why we have Fred on, is in case you have any problems. So <laughs> yeah. live tech support. Let's get live, live tech support. Tech support. <laughs> is it on? Did you plug it in? <laughs> Do you have the firmware updated? <laughs> today, I don't on, know what you're talking about. <laughs> today on AV Week, it, it, it's Tuesday. It's firmware Tuesdays. That's only, on Firmware Tuesdays. That's only on Microsoft. What? The, I am not a service pack. Today we're going to talk about, it's already gone downhill, what an experience center is and who it's for. GovCom and the GV Expo are co-locating together. Sounds like cohabitating, actually. Um, why we're still buying DVDs, the analog sunset slash the digital transition. Uh, but first, we're going to talk about Apple. Uh, this week... The folks from uh, Silicon Valley rolled out their latest and greatest technology, and that is the new iPad. It's not called the iPad 3. It's not called the iPad HD. It's called the new iPad, which is kind of boring. But uh, it has a faster processor. It has a better camera, a way better camera. It has higher graphics. Uh, I think during the presentation, Tim Cook said four times the amount of pixels. Uh, It's bigger than HD. It's bigger than the 1900 by 1080. And uh, just like everything else coming down the pike from Apple, it has AirPlay. Uh, if you're not familiar with what AirPlay is, AirPlay is the ability to throw, let's say, uh, over the air, uh, any kind of audio and video from an iPad, from an iPhone. Once Mountain Lion comes out in the, in the, in the uh, summer, stuff from that to... An Apple TV device, whether that's, you know, the little hockey puck device or, you know, an actual TV if they ever release one of those. Rich? The, uh, fab- the fabled unicorn? <laughs> yeah, the, the unicorn one. Um, the quadricorn. Uh, if, is, is this, 
okay, here's here's my my two cents, and I'll kick it around the horn with you guys. I was underimpressed with this, incredibly underimpressed. Uh, I expected more. I, I think how how is this besides the airplay thing, which I think is really cool, and I think it has a lot of impact for for our industry. Is this you know the it, should this have been a bigger step for them, or was this what you expected when it came comes to the iPad? Uh, I actually anticipated this kind of be. I, I actually thought it was going to wind up being like the iPad S. Um, it was going to be an incremental upgrade at this point. Um, it, they would wind up delivering, and because we still got WWDC, you know, towards the end, the Worldwide Developers Conference, where they're going to be launching the new uh, iOS platform. Uh, you know, I, I kind of expected it. I mean, I think everybody figured that Retina display was going to be in there, um, and then the rumor mill kind of went nuts. Really, I think what it heralded more than anything else was the 1080p, moving towards 1080p, and them working to create the ecosystem, this, this whole Apple ecosystem where they're saying, we are, he used, he probably used the phrase, what was it, about a dozen times, they've entered the post-PC era. Well, yeah, but Jobs they, said that too. But they really pushed it this okay. time. Um, you know, I mean, bringing out the numbers, what was it, uh, 172 million devices yeah. <laughs> that were pushed out, uh, six, uh, was it, like 62 million of them last quarter, I mean, just staggering numbers, and they are preparing people to say, "Look, you know, you're going to consume these on a regular basis because of the price that's coming in. You know, it's starting at you know four ninety nine or whatever it is. They're well, three ninety nine now with the iPad too. The, the, the iPad? No, the new iPad. No, the new I'm iPad. Saying, yes, but the new, new iPad. The two. So really, the new price point is four hundred bucks. Right. And. You know, I, I think what, what they're doing is that they're, they're just basically saying, here, we're going to give you all of these flavors to choose from. The iPad is going to be your, your device. You know, they didn't, you know, there's a specific reason why I think they didn't put in, uh, more memory in it. They're saying, we're just going to put it in the cloud. You know, at this point, forget about your storage issues. Forget about all of these things. We are going to go ahead and be your service provider, start to finish. And the iPad is just your delivery system now, along with, you know, whatever else we come with down the line. So, you know, in terms of the, the, the unit itself, yeah, I mean, it's kind of what I expected. Um, I think everybody was really looking for something, you know, like two years ago where the iPad revolutionized the market. Now we're getting in, in, into incremental updates. I mean, they've, they've defined the market now. Now what they're doing is they're refining it and catching it up with all of their other devices in, in, in their product line. So their iPhone right. and- and like any good consumer uh, electronics manufacturer, this is Fred, by the way. The um, you know, I mean, they have to come out with new features and things to make you want to get it, right? They got to keep it fresh. Um, you know, what's the difference between 3D in with uh, with video today? I mean, what's the acceptance rate on 3D? But yet, you got to have it. You got to have a TV with 3D. Um, you know, this is really just the next generation for these guys stepping it up and and creating that need and that want. And if you look at it, what's really interesting, I mean, the product's incredible, right, as it is, right, even if you just take the iPad 2. But um, if you notice the pricing on this thing, they seem to be edging upwards. A 64 gig, and as Rich said, maybe you don't even need that, but a 64 gig uh, with Wi-Fi and 4G is $829. I mean, that's encroaching on laptop territory. And uh, so it's just interesting how they're really pushing the envelope with this whole thing. But but back to your question. Were you you unimpressed with? Um, you said, are, are we unimpressed, right, yeah. Timothy? So, um, you know, I, 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 I was listening to the, to the news reports on the day that they uh, – to, the, to the, the, t- the television when they were announcing it. And they said, you know, if you think about 
what Apple has done. Uh, you know, and I have a Mac and I have iPhones and iPads and I run boot camps and things like that. But if you think about what Apple has done, uh, before an iPad, nobody, there was no such thing as a tablet computer per se. And they created this industry. And they, they all these gajillions of tablets and, and iPads that they sold and everything, and they've created this industry. And they said, well, how can it outdo itself, right? Because they made such a big impact and such a short, relatively short period of time, it's hard to top that. And I think, Rich, you said now, you know, that was the big deal. Now they're incremental things. And so, yeah, I was unimpressed because I was waiting. I guess I was looking for the iPad uh, 33 instead of yeah. 3, something that was mm -hmm. really, really cool. Um, I think, uh, you know, so was I unimpressed? Yeah, but I think it's, I, I think now we're just back, we're down to reality. There's no, there's no big bang anymore and no bolt of lightning. We're bound to these incremental things. It's, t it's like every other aspect of technology, you know, uh, that the, the smart guns, the smartphones get smarter and the iPads get cooler and they're incremental things and it'll begin to shape um, lifestyles and shape uh, cultures and, and, and societies as a normal uh, piece of technology. I think it's absolutely nothing but great for our industry because uh, look what it does. It, it, it look at the, the, the awareness and look at all aspects of technology that this, this device and this, this, this aspect of technology brings into everybody's lives and that does nothing more than raise that awareness uh, to our special little industry through something like this, uh, through this device. Michael, Randy actually brings up a really good point. Maybe that's why I was unimpressed was because we've, we've hit it. Now what really stinks. Now what's next? Well, yeah, but, but it was two years. Yes, yeah. but, but watch. You know, watch I, I think he's right. It, it, we've well, hit the plateau. We, we've hit the plateau for the moment, but don't underestimate Pinky and the Brain. <laughs> uh, slow incremental changes dead, though, to Mike. ruling the world. That's just it. There will be no ruling in the world. The world is too big and there's too many other things going on that not one person can rule the world. We've tried. It doesn't work. <laughs> we get accused of that all day long. And if there's anybody that I've tried harder than anybody else, and I can tell you it doesn't work. <laughs> You know, it's what? like that joke. I, I tried to change the world, but they wouldn't give me the source code. <laughs> you, you know, what? this is one of those times when the rest of the world is wrong and I'm right. O o only a man yeah. who has a puppet fashioned after him can yeah. say that. <laughs> oh my! If you don't know what that means, at the last few uh, uh, Infocom uh, Crestron parties, they've brought out a a Randy Klein puppet, and I'll just leave it at that. So. Use your imagination. <laughs> no, don't no, use your imagination. <laughs> We'll get to the topic of the Experience Center, but one thing that you can see in the Experience Center is you can you can have a live performance of that. Oh, thing. seriously, that's awesome! Uh, yeah. In all of the Experience Centers, or no, just this one. This one's special because it has it has the puppet. Uh, it has both of my uh, alter egos, George Felstein and the puppet. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. Well, let's talk. About, stay a little on topic here. Um, the the whole thing with with AirPlay and now you've got you know the 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 new iPad. Let's get the, the at least I should get the name right. The new iPad, uh, AirPlay and, and and Mountain Lion, all this stuff. Um, what does that do for AV systems? I mean, now you have 
I mean, yeah, technically, and and, and you know, the, every every engineer that that I that I talked to was going to say, well, you know, all it really is is a another device. We're going to plug it into the thing and stuff like that. Yeah, but in my head, I have an iPad, which is now not only a source now, but it's also my control. It's it's the control for my control system, right? I mean, you guys have Crestron. To some, de- to some degree, yes. Yeah, but you guys have, you. I mean, you over the last few years, you were the first company that I'm aware of, I could be wrong about this, that had some sort of, let's call it mobile control. Um, let's not even, you know, mm-hmm. chain it to, to iPad or iOS, but let's call it mobile control because you have Android now. And how has that, how is that changing with stuff like this? Your your mobile control because you, know, you guys you know, you have really big nice touch panels, mm-hmm. and now this thing is some of the the clients the end users are asking this thing to be not only my controller now because you know it's it's my iPad so it should do everything but it's also now my my source for all this stuff. I mean is that is that going to be an issue juggling all that stuff or is it yeah no problem. You know, honestly, I think it's it's just another opportunity for all of us in the in the industry because um, as a source, you know, it's one of many types of sources today. And one of the things about Apple, uh, which is great, is all their equipment works with their equipment. But Apple also is very unique in the fact that they like to do it their own way. So AirPlay is very, let's just call it unique and or proprietary to Apple. And so as a, as an AV industry person, it is actually just one of the other formats we're going to have to accept. If once everybody standardizes on Apple and AirPlay, then I guess we can just throw away all the you know traditional methodologies that we use today, and all our world will be connected through wireless. Um, but you know today, I think that we're going to have to accommodate the different types of sources for the variety of users and devices that are out there. So again, I, I think this is I think it's great. I mean, to be able to take my content, put it up on a display, or play my music into my audio distribution system from my iPad, that that's phenomenal. And uh, again, it just presents opportunity for all of us. Yeah, it also helps you know manage those nasty HDCP things. So mm-hmm. the That's one, um, and maybe Rich can attest to this. The one misnomer, uh, and and, it, and it's it's just an educational thing, and it, and the best education is is by 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 use. Uh, is that I say the iPad? You know, people say, oh, "Are you worried about the iPad? It's going to take away your business, and it's going to do this." The iPad has done nothing but and 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 Android devices. So that mobile type of thing—it's not just for mobile. That that has nothing has had nothing but positive impact on our business. Uh, it raises awareness. Number one, it adds uh, an additional. Um, it, it's a, it's a control for our control system, right? The thing where we have to educate people is it's not a replacement controller because it does serve a purpose, but it doesn't. It will it on a practical, um, usable basis. It will not replace these special purpose devices that we build. And that's for any anybody, not just Crestron. I mean, it ha- it has its place. You know, and look, I I use it every night by myself. I have an iPad. I have a, a little remote control. I'm watching TV. I have my iPad. I'm laying in bed. I'm doing emails. I'm turning off my lights around the house and everything. I don't want to do that with that little handheld remote. But when my uh, what I don't want to do with my iPad is her, quickly change the channel and raise and lower the volume because something happened or whatever because the, I'm, I'm doing email. Now I've got to push this button, slide this switch, do this thing. You know, there there is a place for both. Good thought. 
All right. Um, this also kind of goes into a little bit more of, of internet-based stuff. Um, th- there's an article on CNET that asks the the question, kind of tongue-in-cheek, but but not really. Uh, is it time for us to stop buying DVDs? And it, we'll, we'll put a link to this on the on the show notes. But the picture they show is uh, is of you know one of my favorite characters, uh, Homer Simpson, <laughs> walking past oh. a uh, a landfill filled with laser discs. And there's a sign that says reserved for DVDs. <laughs> um, I like that. Yeah. Well, here's the thing, guys. Right. We, we've got, I mean, a couple years ago, Love Him or Hate Him, Reed, Reed Hastings, uh, when he was sane, said that <laughs> by 2020, they expected not to be to be out of the DVD business, uh, which is maybe where he was going with Quickster. I'm not sure. Uh, but we do have Netflix. We do have Hulu. We do have you know, iTunes and Amazon streaming. We also have device, you know, content management systems and content delivery systems like iTunes and Amazon where I can buy it. I can put it on a server, whether it's Crestrons or Kaleidoscopes or my own, you know, or, or a, you know, a Windows-based media server. So, Michael, are we to the yes. point where we stop buying, you know, DVDs or, or I stop, you know, joining the, the you know, the, the uh, DVD of the month club type thing? Not yet. So when? Well, the issue that I've got with this is that uh, the bandwidth is not available yet to have what I want, when I want it, where I want it. And once we get to that point, then I'll say, yes, put your DVDs in the landfill. Um, actually, I would say recycle them and take part in the green initiatives, but that's a whole other story. Um, so at this stage of the game, I say, no, keep your DVDs. I still buy DVDs to this day. Um, I, I've got uh, a lot of content sitting on my home media server. Uh, I do use iTunes and Netflix to watch certain content. But things that I want that, that um, I want to be able to see when I want to see it, you know, I've got my Back to the Future. I've got, I've got the Goonies. I've got, you know, some of those classic movies that, you know what, you just want to take them in the car with you on a trip or you want to um, throw it up on your iPad and watch it so you, so you uh, have the ability to do that without necessarily being connected to make that happen. So until we've got the bandwidth and the full connectivity to handle that type of throughput, I don't think we're there. Well, and I would say that uh, to back you up on this whole thing, uh, I agree. And um, honestly, I wouldn't have agreed probably six or eight months ago, and I'll tell you why. I've been a big Voodoo fan for a long time. Uh, They probably have some of the freshest content out there, really commensurate with with iTunes. And uh, the, but the big difference between Voodoo was it was higher definition. They have something called HDX, and uh, it looks pretty good. However, uh, and I, I'll put the however in there, it looks good when you're watching it on your LCD screen. If you're fortunate enough to have a, a large screen display, let's say a projector and you know 100 inch plus display, uh, all of a sudden that whole thing breaks down. The experience breaks down, and the difference between Blu-ray and what you can get on any streaming service of the best possible kind today, and I think even into the future based on bandwidth um, or near future, I should say, you, you still need that content on mm-hmm. uh, on a disc. And so I think it's going to stick around for a little while longer, at least in the highest quality. Makes sense. You know, one one of the things to consider, because again, being in residential, this is this is something that I spend a lot of time thinking about and, and trying to design around. More than you know, is DVD going away? I mean, wh- really, what this heralds to me is that I mean, Apple is throwing the gauntlet down. Now that they're saying, look, we support 1080p, and we're going to go ahead and store it. The, the, there's always been a couple of issues with with media, and it's always been convenience. You know, originally when we had DVDs, 
And if you had more than 10 of them, what did you do? Well, you, you first they came out with a five DVD changer. Then they came out with a hundred DVD changer and then so on and so forth. You know, there was companies like Eshin and other controllers who, you know, created ways to manage large libraries. Then we said, okay, well, there's got to be a better way to access it. And then there's companies like Kaleidoscape who come out and say, we're going to, you know, store this digitally, instant access, and distribute it for you. But it's going to be prohibitively expensive because you've got hard drive and storage capacity issues to deal with. And then you add Blu-ray to it, and now you've got 10 times the amount of storage that you need. Apple turned around and just said, yeah, don't worry about it. If you bought it once, whatever device you have it on, yeah, we'll send it to you. You know, we'll, we'll hold on to it for you. And... You know, is it going to cause the uh, the physical media market to disappear next year or in the two years? No, it's not. But I feel that it's going to wind up just like Fred was saying is that if you have a performance system, it's going to go almost the way of vinyl, where there are people who are aficionados and they say absolutely. You know, I mean, we've still got laserdisc players floating around. I mean, I've still got my original THX laserdisc, you know, my demo disc floating around, and it's cool. That's because he's but, got all the Star Wars series on there. Han shot first. There you so, go. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, you know, the, the, what's happening is that you know, and also the consumers are changing. You know, we're we're you know, I'm in my 40s, so I still remember going from vinyl to a cassette tape to a CD of an album, and and procuring that entire music collection in in its entirety. The generation of consumers that are coming up don't operate that way. And so one of the things that I'm constantly looking at is saying, yeah, these are the systems that we as 40-something-year-old guys may buy um, or 40-something-year-old families with, with kids, but the new generation of consumers coming up are consuming their content in completely new ways. You know, they are going to their iPads, to their laptops, mm. to their phones to get to that medium. And what do they want? They want the convenience of it. Yep. Sure, we're trying to educate them on the quality and the performance, but... You know, it, it is an uphill sell, and, and it makes sense. You know, I mean, again, it's that I, I love performance systems, but, you know, I've got two kids. I love the ability to just be able to pull up a show, you know, like you said, you know, grab a DVD and throw it in your car. You know, mm -hmm. how many people use a DVD car player anymore? You know, I've got, I've got little, you know, <laughs> I've got little mounts for iPads now that sit in the back of my car, and they right. kids pull up their shows. Well, I think you hit the nail on the head there, Rich. It, it's I want it, and I want it now. It's it's the I want it now generation and quality is secondary to the convenience, but you're still going to have that cult following. I mean, how many of you still buy CDs? I don't know if, if you guys are audiophiles like myself, but I still, you know, I've got a good collection of music that I buy on iTunes and things like that, just kind of casual listening. But if it's something I really want and I want the quality and I want the experience, I buy the CD. Because I get it fully uncompressed, I get it in the way that the artist intended it to be delivered, not something that that is uh, some weird sample rate. And even with lossless compression, you still hear those issues. Um, and I think the same holds true with video. I, I'm not going to argue with you about with you about this, but you know, 44.1 is not how the artist intended it. Well, so. I agree with you there, but that's when you go get your vinyl. Oh, yes, there it is. <laughs> Uh, Randy, are these guys right when it comes to to DVDs not going away? I mean, I I like Rich. Remember buying vinyl, buying cassettes. Good lord, I remember having a a country album on on eight track for crying out loud. So, um, are, is is DVD going away, or is it going to end up being a, a niche eventually? I guess. Well. Um... First off, I'm glad we're not on video because I'm not going to tell you I'm in my 40s. Let's, you can let's tell get me you're that in your 40s. Over with. <laughs> 
second. We, we don't we don't know better. You can tell me you're in your thirties for crying out loud. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. So I don't know. I uh, I don't even know what a DVD is. I'm that old. No. Um, I'll put it to you this way. You know, and I and and yes, I'm I'm beyond my forties, and I've got kids, and I the kids have young. They're young kids. I've got old kids, and I've got. We got people, friends that come over, and I think I, I don't know what the word "going away" means, but I think that that it takes a long time for anything to quote go away, especially as you know. And it's and there is some relationship to how long it's been around. Uh, you know, if somebody's been, something's been around for a long, long time. I mean, you guys remember, laser discs weren't that around weren't weren't around that long, and they were far more. Uh, uh, marketed and more prevalent in, in education and, and some commercial uses, not in consumer. DVDs have been around for, relatively speaking, a, long, a much longer time, and they're far more widely used in the consumer space. So that said, you go home, and I think we want to we have a variety of different sources. I want to get my Hulu. I want to get my, our Crestron uh, media server. I want to get anything, iTunes. And I want to go over to the cabinet when I'm just either lazy, tired, or, or something's wrong. I can't figure out some user, face, user interface and, and, and take out the DVD that we've already watched uh, a million times that we want to watch it again. I think there's a time and a place for everything, and I don't see that, that particular medium going away way anytime soon so it how, might decline it might change you know we might have some other uh some other package for it but the medium itself i think is around for a while yeah. well and if you look at Redbox too i don't know if you know they were running some big special where they were giving away dvd or renting them for free for a night and they had mm -hmm. a massive swell um you know and this is for physical medium mm -hmm. still so i you know I do think it's going to decline, but uh, but it's it's like analog video. It takes a long time, and then finally, boom, gone. Well, the thing screen. that will decline faster and ultimately, which is the the perfect uh, example, is how you get them. You know, because mm -hmm. it costs money to get these to put these big stores in these big thing mm -hmm. in these big places, and that money, you know, that's a very absolute. Uh, thing you have to have money to run a business, and so gone are the days where all these big stores pop up, and you've got to get in your car and go down to the video store and give them your driver's license, give them money, and get the vid, get the DVD. That for sure is gone, but that doesn't mean the medium's gone. All right, you're listening to AV Week with uh, Randy Klein. He's the executive vice president from Crestron Electronics. Fred Bargetzi, he's the vice president of technology for Crestron. Rich Fergoza from Fergoza Designs and Michael Drainer from Tech Electronics. Uh, Crestron has been, uh, I would say, one, one of the leaders when it comes to moving from analog to digital. Some people call it the analog sunset. I personally think that sounds kind of sad, <laughs> so I, I don't like to think of it that way. Let's call it the digital transition. That sounds more nice, and you know, we're moving. Aww, we're, we're keep it cheery. We're advancing in technology. We're not saying the goodbye. analog elephant burial ground. Oh, thank you. There you go. Right. You'll just, just trump it out on a. You know, we'll do. We'll, we'll just give it a Viking farewell. Just call it like it is. You know what? If we could do a Viking farewell for analog, that would be killer. That's what we should do during Infocom this year. Ooh, let's bury analog. Have a Vi no, have a Viking funeral. You know, with right. the big pile and yeah, the fire and everything. Yeah, absolutely. That'd be awesome. Oh, geez. All right. Uh, so at the end of this year, uh, you, you can't get analog out anymore. Um, a couple of years ago, they, they'd made it to where uh, any DVDs you bought, or any DVD players, rather, Blu-ray players you bought, they stopped, con they stopped producing them with the component output. And now at the end of this year... Every DVD you buy that updates your, your firmware, even though you even if you don't realize it's doing it, a new one will update your firmware with blacklist and, and firmware updates and stuff like that. 
it'll say, you know, Mr. Component Output, let's turn you off. Uh, and then you're, you are going to have to be forced to, to move into, into digital. In, in addition to that, uh, about a year or so ago, Intel and a couple other computer manufacturers and, and, and people got together and said, yeah, that whole VGA output on your computer, we don't like it very much. Uh, it costs us money. It's hard to, uh, it's getting more difficult to control and maintain. So we're going to go get, do away with it. Roughly 2015-ish. So guess what, folks? In about a year and a half, two years, we're going to be <laughs> digital. It's it's the transition. Uh, Randy, we'll start with you on this one because you guys have uh, the link, have a, have a very nice checklist i put in the in the show notes mm-hmm. it's a white paper but it's really a checklist uh, of mm-hmm. what you need to know for the next year or so um how did you guys come up with that and and kind of go over it with me um on what people need to know to go from analog to digital well uh first off the this digital business is something it's certain it's nothing new to us uh, we started it. We started our product development uh, more than seven years ago. We've shipped our products now uh, over two years. Uh, we, you know, our, our that checklist shows a lot of different things. But uh, and I'll, I'll explain. I'll speak to that in a second. But as as far as what it means to us uh, today, it's over a third of our business. It's it's wow. it's. It's is uh, hugely contributory to our growth uh, of our company, which is 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 substantially uh, ahead of where we were last year and ahead of where we were in 2008, which was our last, which was our highest year. So, so digital is ever important to our company. Digital is ever important to our industry, and it it also says uh, beyond uh, those those numbers of what the opportunity is out there for everybody in our industry and the requirement. Because as you explained uh, about laptops and VGAs and et cetera, et cetera, it's, it's not, it's, it's a need now, you know, it's a requirement. It's not just a luxury. And every, every day, every month that goes by uh, that requirement, that need is going to be, is going to be far more uh, prevalent in every aspect of commercial and residential uh, technology spaces. So it's important. We developed a check sheet um, to really tell people um, what what we've done and what we've and what we're about as far as our digital offering goes. Um, you know, we have ten thousand certified engineers and designers out there. That's as much or more than Infocom has all CTS uh, in classes. I don't say that because, hey, this is more than Infocom, but I say that was done in two years. Uh, that's That shows the need. There's 10,000 people in, in, uh, in less than two years that have come to be cert- come to classes to be certified, and we're teaching them new skills uh, and new technologies. Uh, it says that there's a there's in order to really do this successfully, you should have a total endpoint to endpoint solution. You can't mix a bunch of pieces. Uh, it's it's complex. There's a lot of moving parts, and there's a lot of dynamic issues to the, to creating a a total uh, solution. And you have to have all those parts. If you think back about think back, that was uh, early on. That was Cisco's. Fame to claim, mm-hmm. they provided an endpoint to endpoint solution, and uh, so what we're creating the checklist for is to say, hey, before 
you, if you should do this, and before you do it, make sure that uh, you know it's it's a self-promoting thing. We're trying to promote our our product line or our company as, as yeah. well. But it says you got to do these things. Well, it, it does, and, and Fred, I'm I'm one of the ten thousand. <laughs> I didn't yeah, know I mean, the, the, I, the checklist is the, is the marketing piece, but if it, the, it's, a, it's a three-part thing. There's a checklist, there's a PowerPoint that maybe salespeople use to, to our customers, but then there's a white paper that, that Fred and his, his team created, and that's the technical aspects behind, that points behind that. Well, and if you look at the world, Tim, today, uh, you know, to your point, you, if you went to CES this year, um, the big one of the big things was Ultrabooks, and, uh, you know, that's really the rest of the world, you know, uh, with respect to Apple, the rest of the world's answer to the, um, you know, the slim laptop. And like you said, you know what, there's no VGA ports in sight anymore. And, you know, the funny thing to me is that when we talk to people in the industry and a lot of people are fighting it, uh, again here, it's like the iPad, right? I see opportunity. Why wouldn't you want to go out and upgrade your customers to digital technology to accommodate whatever their needs are going to be? Why wouldn't you let them take advantage of all the great new high definition video and be able to take care of all this content protection and all these other bad and nasty things that go along with it. But why wouldn't you want to do that? I mean, my gosh, the opportunity is just amazing. Well, and the ironic part of that is the fact that in a weird way, Apple has kind of pushed this whole digital thing. I mean, they were the first one of the first ones to say, we don't do we don't do that VGA thing anymore, you know. And one of the first uh, Apple TVs that came out, they didn't have any sort of analog output. They it had an HDMI connector on it. If yep. you wanted to, if you wanted to plug it into an old style, you know, CRT, you're out of luck. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Rich, is this? I mean, it, you you deal a lot with with commercial and stuff, or with residential and stuff. Yeah. I mean, how how, how much of this is guys who were trying to hook up their Blu-ray players? To five different displays versus you know trying to just make everything work you know I, I want my my let's say let's say they they still have VHS tapes they still, you know so they're trying to make all this stuff work still uh, and in in and still transition to the digital world. Well, I mean, you're seeing more and more of it every day. Again, like you just said, is that you know you you go into a store. You go into any brick-and-mortar store, you order a piece online, and you go, wow, I've got the brand-new gadget, and you run over to hook it up to your three-, four-year-old TV, and there's no digital input port. And now you're sitting there going, um, okay, I've got a device that does digital out only. I've got another device that only has analog in. I'm stuck between a rock and a hard place, and we're seeing that more and more. And what winds up being the, the solution is you tell them, get a new TV or, or change well, this or, you know, spend more money. Yeah, uh, or real quickly, if, you're, if your television is three or four years old, you only have one digital input. Well, you know, on top of it, these are like $99 devices. So you've got <laughs> the marketing segment that's saying it's only $99. Or I, I think I, I found a Blu-ray player the other day. It was $88. dollars mm-hmm. <laughs> There's a Roku that's fifty bucks. Yeah, and and they're touting that these are fantastic and they're inexpensive and you can all you want content and next thing you know you like I said the regular consumer comes up and tries to plug it in and there's no Gazinta that plugs into the Gazauta at that point. <laughs> uh, and and so now what happens is that you either got these you know converter pieces or you have to then step back in and educate the client with like Randy was saying a point to point you know, end solution driven system. And, and that's really what we're dealing with is that we're, we're in that, that tweener stage of the entire ecosystem switching over. 
Um, and now it's even worse because they can do it over the internet. Uh, you know, we we are at times we're not even plugging in Blu-ray players into analog systems. For what you just said, is they're sending out over a firmware update. You know, you get the nice little box firmware update, load it in. Next thing you know, <laughs> they've got a black image because they shut down the analog outputs on the device that they just bought. Uh, and next thing you know, it's like, well, you know, good luck on getting that uh, that 480i image out of your DVD player or your Blu-ray player. It looks awesome. <laughs> you know? Glad for glad. Aren't you glad you used us this time? Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Man. I'm going to ask something just ask tonight. How many people do you think are, are are going to keep watching the 480i and go, this is great, this is awesome HD? You know, I think uh, you'd be surprised how many people think that they're getting HD, and then you walk into your house and you notice that it was never set up. Sadly, I wouldn't I, be surprised, but go ahead. It, it, it's true. You know, and all of a sudden, you, you, know, you flip a button and you become the savior because you've turned on what they always had there. It's We're in the industry so we tend to take a lot of these things for granted. Um, you know, I, I know a lot about AV. I don't know a lot about cars necessarily. So when somebody does something to my car that to them is, you know, kind of basic knowledge, I, I, you know, I thought that they brought down, you know, the tablets from, from Sinai for, to show me. It's like, oh, my God, this is the truth. I've seen, I've seen it now. Um, and, and so, you know, it becomes that education that we were talking about. With you know, I think the checklist is great. You know, and especially with these systems that are starting to be built from here on out. I mean, you've got even the AV receivers are starting to do some up conversion, hopefully. Um, but it's, you know, we're basically telling people, yeah, everything that you owned within the last three or four years, yeah, go ahead and throw it away and buy the new stuff. You know, no problem at all. And last I checked, you know, we, we there's a couple of things in the news that we read about called the economy. You know, and we're kind of rah-rahing, saying, hey, spend stuff, buy stuff, new, better, expensive. And at the same point, you know, you, you also have to look at people to, to, you know, sign checks over to you and say, yes, I believe you. I do want to buy things. So, <laughs> uh, you know, it, it, it really is a matter of there's the high end, there's residential, and there's people who are fortunate enough to purchase luxury goods like a digital point-to-point -point solution. And then there are the relatively normal consumers who maybe don't have the ability to make that that investment so what did they do they bought 15 million ipads last quarter yeah. you know they're taking that money and they're investing it in different goods so you know the onus is on us to be able to say yeah you know if you want entertainment here's how you got to do it but we're fighting ourselves i mean and and this is this isn't even a technology problem this is a litigation problem. This is this is purely about the studio saying, we believe you're going to pirate things. So we don't trust you. So we're going to make this extremely difficult based upon the lawyers that we brought in to put this in and, and, and basically grab you by the throat and say, you're going to do it this way. Yeah, we know you bought that last year, but it doesn't work anymore. Yeah, but not to be too much of an Apple fanboy because I, I'm, I'm nowhere near that. Um, th they've kind of... Uh... I'm not going to say circumvented because they didn't, uh, the, the studio industry. But with this whole AirPlay and throwing it onto, the, onto the, uh, the Apple TV device, they've said, you know what? I, I don't care if it's a, it's a freaking you know, HDMI connector or whatever you want to do. If you have it on your device, I can get it on your TV. No sweat. You know. Well, I, I agree. And that's why they're basically saying, hey, instead of a point-to-point -point solution, 
buy five Apple TVs for 500 bucks, hook, it, hook them up to each of your televisions, we call it a day. I mean, that's really what we're dealing with. Or, or, ba- you know, or buy the Apple TV that's coming out this fall. So. <laughs> the whole world is going to be Apple. It will be. <laughs> see, see, Randy, you should have worked for, for Steve Jobs. Then you could control the world. Um, <laughs> I, think there's a, I think there's a lot more world to control still. <laughs> there probably is. Uh, we, we want our little. Uh, we want our little piece. We want our little. We, we have our little world, and we've got a lot. We've got a lot more road to go. Uh, this this comes from well, it comes from sixty minutes by way of CNET. They did a profile on the computer virus Stuxnet, and Stuxnet actually came out a couple of years ago. Uh, from the, the first people to to say, hey, there's a problem over here, was the Iranian government uh, when some of their infrastructure facilities started shutting down because of this thing. And there, you know, there's rumors and there's innuendo about whether or not the U.S. government created this sucker or the Israeli government created it or who. I don't know who created it. Don't really care. I'm not a virus guy. Uh, you call tech support when your nuclear reactor needs to be rebooted. Apparently <laughs> Langley. Did you, what kind of check should you have? Did you plug it in? Did, did you reboot the reactor? Okay, what firmware do you have on your reactor? <laughs> All right, so, hey, yeah. yeah. Well, here's the thing. Besides all Let that. me redirect your call <laughs> to Homer Simpson. <laughs> Please hold. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I if anybody takes us seriously, I hope not. <laughs> Nobody has so far. So, um, but Stuxnet does. It, it, it's it's an issue, or it has been an issue, for what could be defined as closed systems, as opposed to. You know the 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 viruses of the '80s and '90s what, that were named. You know there was the love virus, and there was there was one a couple named after celebrities and stuff like that. This one uh, does not really attack the network at large or the internet at large. It attacks closed systems. The reason I bring this up is because uh, you know, 60 Minutes did a did a, a a story on it, and it got me to thinking: Are we? vulnerable to this at all guys i mean because we are our av systems are in effect closed systems and every year that goes by every infocom that goes by every device that gets released we get more and more of our devices on the network so uh fred i guess we'll start with you um are we at risk not just crestron in general but but specifically but but just the, the industry uh, are our closed systems uh, at risk of this thing or, or something else? Well, you know, I think, um, you know, if we look at ourselves as an industry and you use the example of what happened with the nuclear reactor, I mean, I think if if something like this does take place and take hold, there's a lot of other things that are going to be way more important before it gets to us. <laughs> so I think we're, <laughs> uh, we're going to have a lot of other issues before we say, holy crap, the AV system is down. Um, but um, you, <laughs> what I will say you've is... You've never uh, met my boss, have you? <laughs> Well, yes, no. <laughs> right, or of course it'll be Super Super Bowl Sunday or yes. whatever it might be, and okay, then maybe it's greater than a nuclear disaster. But, but um, you know, the, the, the plain and simple fact about viruses, um, they have to know a little bit of something about the system, and um, if they're not attacking the network and they're going for the system themselves, and so uh, they have to be written for different platforms to know where the vulnerabilities are, and it does become more difficult. When you write a virus for Windows, I mean, man, in one shot you can – it hit a significant amount of users around the world. 
Um, so, you know, I, I think a lot of these things would have to be targeted towards uh, either a particular manufacturer or low-level operating system. And, uh, and then there are different ways for embedded systems that you can lock these things down. So it, it's a much tougher task. So in short, I, I don't think that this is something that we should be concerning ourselves too much with right now. You don't now. think it is. Rich, is, is this, no. uh, you don't think that there's some some disgruntled AMX employee somewhere hacking away and, and trying to write the Stuxnet for uh, for their for their processors? Well, well, you know, we had this happen once. I don't know if Fred remembers, but this was probably about 10 or 11 years ago, right when the first um, Ethernet cards were coming out for control processors. There were people, the, the, the virus du jour was a denial of service attacks. And they were coming over the HTTP port, port 80. And it was slamming systems because, guess what? That was the port that we opened up on. And, and we responded. And, you know, we found ways to make it more secure. And we learned down the line. I mean, that is the beauty, again, of Firmware Tuesdays. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, that, you know, I, I think that, you know, Theoretically, you know, is it a threat? You know, there's a difference between possible and probable. Uh, is it possible? Yes. Is it probable? No. And you know, exactly like you just said a second ago, you know, who would be the most likely, you know, person to do it? It would be somebody with an intimate knowledge of our industry who can, you know, who who was a disgruntled Crestron, AMX, whatever programmer who said, you know, I know how these systems work and. But at that point, you know, you're, you're talking about an isolated incident as opposed to, you know, what Fred just said is that, you know, the entire Windows using population of the world as opposed to, you know, a couple of people with some processors sitting around in a residence or, or in a commercial setting. All right. So I got all worked up over nothing. So um, <laughs> earlier this <laughs> month, which is nothing new, by the way, uh, earlier this month, uh, you guys, uh, Crestron opened up. An experience center in, in Cypress, California, um, uh, raves, uh, Gary Kay wrote uh, a review of the New York one. He wrote a very nice review of, of that one. Um, I'm just going to ask you a very simple question, Randy. Mm -hmm. What is an experience center, and, and who's it for? It's this thing that costs a lot of money. <laughs> <laughs> That's for you, Tim. That's for me. Yeah. Um, you know, we're, we're like the shoemaker's shoes, and we're probably no different than many people. A um, year and a half ago, I, I woke up one day and says, gee, you know, we have so many products and so many things to, to, to show. Um, we've got to have a place to show it. Um, and, and, you know, if you think about it, we get a couple of, a few times a year where the whole industry comes, Infocom, let's say, there's two or three days, there's, and that's still only a fraction of what we can show. So we, we opened up a, quote, experience center here in New Jersey. Uh, it's 20,000 square feet uh, in one of our main buildings here, and it's, it's, a, it's a trade show, let's call it, for the lack of a better thing. It's all of our products on, on uh, display. It has a home theater and all kinds of wonderful stuff that led me to, uh, to the next step of, of we, have to, we wanted to do it in, in several, several of our uh, larger outside, uh, offices around the country. The first one being, uh, well, the first one domestically here being in, in California, but we, we did duplicate this experience center of, uh, we have here in New Jersey in several locations around the world, uh, two in China, one in London, and one in Germany. From the Experience Center, uh, those were products, okay? And we did the one in New, in New Jersey particularly because 
besides the products, we wanted people to come um, to our campus and experience the company because we are quite unique. You know, we manufacture and engineer everything here, uh, right in the corner in this little northwestern corner of New Jersey. We've got a couple thousand people here that all we do is 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 invent and build stuff all day long, and it's a, and it's a great story to tell. But from from that grew. Uh, experience centers grew showrooms, and those are the ones that we started uh, uh, opening up, and they're more for solutions and applications, uh, whether it's for business applications or lifestyle applications, uh, showrooms around the world, around the country. The first one opened up in Manhattan back in October. We have one opening up in uh, the Design Center in Beverly Hills uh, in a couple of months. Uh, we've got one in Frank, two in Frank, one in Frankfurt, uh, several else around the world, and we've got four more planned uh, around uh, for this next year. All of these are for you. Say who they're for? They're for really uh, two different two people, uh, not mutually exclusive statement. All th their work, their showrooms and workrooms for our dealers. There isn't a day go by that we have two or three different dealers bringing customers into these experience centers. Remember, experience centers are products, sh uh, showrooms are, are solutions. Uh, dealers are bringing in their customers every day, day in and day out, uh, to the experience centers. And we're seeing hundreds of people every day in our showrooms around uh, the country, around the world. So it's, it, they're, they're a wonderful forum. Uh, for to show our products, to show the solution, to tell the story of, of our company and of our industry and educate the people. There isn't anybody that walks out of here that we don't, I, I hate to say make a sale, but that we don't, we don't uh, educate, enlighten, and ultimately uh, make or enlarge you know, the, the, the proposal or sale that, that the dealer came in here with. Great tool. So is it? In I'm familiar with, like I said, I think earlier your Chicago office uh, because I'm I'm in St. Louis. That's yeah. the closest one to me. Is that because that one's an education and sales office primarily? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So that is, doesn't have an experience center. Are the experience centers that plus the showroom experience and and, and everything else, or is it just simply the the showroom and the and the and the facilities there? Well, we have six, I think, 16 offices around the United States, and I, I think a total of 91 around the world. Every one of these offices has training and support uh, and some cubicles for some sales guys, let's just call it. We're targeting certain offices around the country uh, and around the world to put experience centers in. Uh, we have one in Las Vegas, our office in Las Vegas. We have one in, in uh, a new one in Cyprus, as you, you went to, and uh, and we're targeting several core offices. Chicago is on that list. Outside of the offices and not not connected with a Crestron office uh, is the showroom concept, and those generally will go into design or architects' building. The one in Manhattan is in the D and D building. It's a design building. It's where designers go. And it's a great concept. I mean, designers take their clients. Uh, you know, I've watched it personally. The 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 husband and the wife come. The the wife's got to go pick out the sofa and the sheets and all that stuff. Like, We're going to go see TVs. There's Crestron. Uh, it's a it's a, it, it's a great concept. And we have a we have an interior designer program as well that refers and uh, that for referral work and things like that. So it's working out wonderful. Wow. All right. Well, now I'm, I'm going to go see one then. So yeah, do it. All right. Um, from Rave Publications, the GV Expo and GovCom are collating in 2012. Um, Rich, we'll start with you on this one. Is this is this a good thing? Is this in, is this 
kind of what we expected is, or is this kind of like the next step? Because what it reminds me of, it reminds me of NSC, NSCA and Infocom collating, co-locating a couple of years ago, and now NSCA is just kind of a part of Infocom. It's exactly what we're seeing happen. I, I think we called it in a, a, a couple of episodes ago that, you know, what what are the dealers complaining about is that, you know, we can't go to all of these different shows. You can't expect us to leave our offices and, you know, it's a two or three day trek plus travel time or everything else. And, you know, when I read it, I, come, I, I thought about it, I went, gosh, shouldn't they be together in the first place? Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, and then to have them a month apart, I, it was. It, I thought it was one of those common sense moves. They they just went. You know, we probably could do a lot better job if we just worked together on this. Um, and I got to imagine that the the attendees are really the ones who are saying, you know, thanks for it at yeah. that point. Um, and we'll, I mean, will 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 one consume the other? Yeah, absolutely. You know, who who's going to consume who? You know, I'm not sure. Yeah, I guess it depends point, on your perspective. But, right. Right. You know, it's, uh, you know, it's sooner or later, you know, maybe we'll just all attend one giant international trade show. You know, at this point, it's like everything under the sun, you know, we come together and, uh, um, you know, it's in uh, and, and government. I mean, I, I'm not too familiar. I mean, who I'd really like to get uh, her opinion would be uh, uh, A.B. Dawn's opinion mm-hmm. on this yes. one. Um, I think she would probably give us a, a much better insight on it. So from somebody on the outside looking in, I thought of it as a no brainer that if I was you know, having to service that that side of the industry, I would want to get everybody together um, in one location as much as possible. And and Randy, um, you guys do. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, I I can't imagine the bill to, for Infocom to start with. Me neither. <laughs> I can't imagine it either. Do you, we're not going to get like now that you guys are it? building experience centers. We're not going to get like a press release next year. Oh, or <laughs> we're not. We're not. Are we? We're not. Are we? A press release on what? <laughs> that you mean? Yes. What I think you're saying? Yes. Too? I'll say it. You're not gonna. You're not gonna bow out of freaking Infocom next year, are you? Uh, I can't even tell you if I'm gonna make it home for lunch okay. for dinner tonight. But but I right. I'll tell you. Look, I'll tell you this. I, I can't speak to what what uh, other companies have done. We certainly don't have any plans for that. I, I look at it this way. And I'm not, and I really, I'm not speaking just along that subject. I'm not speaking on behalf of them or us or or trying to tell Infocom what they want to hear or anything. But I'll just, I'll, I'll make it very simple that there's an industry trade show, okay? And uh, it's a trade show where where our industry, whether there's twenty thousand, thirty thousand, or whatever, there's there's there are the people, those amount of people go to that show. They go there to see uh, new technologies. They go there to see to get trained. They go there to uh, network with their peers and friends. And us as a ma- as an exhibitor and a manufacturer, I I don't see. Uh, a compelling reason. I mean, yes, it's expensive, but, yeah. but I don't see a compelling reason to uh, to to not take advantage of that once a year event. If reasons come, you know, and uh, maybe the other companies have their reasons. I don't have those reasons today. But if reasons come, then I'll make that decision then. But you know, that I don't have those plans today. No. Well, and and let's talk about. Go ahead. You better Rich. tell your mm-hmm. caterer to order a couple more pigs in a blanket for your party now. You're gonna have a whole lot more people. That's, that's no, no. That's the one thing about the Crestron party is that was like the ticket to get, and it it was it was interesting. You know, sometimes you didn't get it. So, um, 
But he's right. More pigs in a blanket. Yeah, more I, pigs in a blanket. I, I'm going to Costco tonight. I'll stop. <laughs> Here, have some fruit snacks and some goldfish. Some Thanks for coming. Yes, here's some cheese whiz and pigs in a blanket. So now what was the question? I don't remember. I really don't. Was oh, it, was trade it, shows. About the trade shows. Yeah, and... just in general. I mean, because right. we asked this question last week when um, – a couple of weeks ago when, when uh, ISC topped 40,000. Mm-hmm. I mean, they, they cranked out more and had more people at their show. And it's, it's in Amsterdam and it's Europe and, and, and the Middle East type thing and – um, but are we getting to the point where, you know, maybe we need to, this is going to be blasphemous, but consolidate Infocom and Cedia, uh, or, or are we still okay, you know, when it comes to the economics of trade shows where, you know what, doing two or three of these a year is, is expensive, you know, don't get me wrong, but it's worth the investment. Well, first off, I think you're... You're looking at it all wrong. Okay. You're, you're looking at combining CDN and Infocom from a financial perspective. Why don't you look at a trade show on combining or or whatever other word you want to use for what purposes it serve and and what mission statement or objective do you have? Combining CDA and Infocom does nothing for anybody's business other than maybe Infocoms and CDAs. Maybe Infocom, uh, for an example, needs to to do something, I mean, trade shows, from our perspective, we need to see end users instead of, de- in, in addition to dealers. But trade shows, you know, my, our, our pitch, my, you know, my speech, shall we say, I, I'm, I'm on my way to Australia uh, in a, uh, tomorrow. We have a, our annual dealer event there. There's two or three hundred people that come there for two or three days. And, and my main uh, uh, speech, shall we say, to them is I'm trying to get out we, we, as an industry, need to get out of the AV business. We need to get in the technology business, and technology is everything in this room and in this building. I didn't say the building management system uh, business. I said the technology business, okay? And and that's what our whole company philosophy is about, is, 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 is there's no more AV, there's no more lighting, there's no more whatever you, all this junk, you, all this silo stuff you want to talk about. It's technology. And Combining Cedia and Infocom is just, you know, some more switchers and some more control systems and some more junk that goes into a living room and goes into a boardroom. How about combining everything in all aspects of technology that goes enterprise platform wide and get out of the interface business and into the and at the boardroom business and into the building and the management and the monitoring business and the total building business and and again not from a B, not from a johnson controls or siemens standpoint but from mm-hmm. our industry and what we do that's taking over the world wow. you know and that's not that's not anything to do with combining two trade shows so we can save some money or the the economics justify it or the associations are trying to kill each other it's just it's what what is the objective of a trade show why don't we take the trade show and educate the people on what the future of our industry is and not just combine uh, a home theater and a boardroom that's awesome cuz then we'd have to feed them pigs in a blanket too <laughs> so. well no, no the residential point though well, I, I totally agree i'm 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 with it all right but you know, I, I that I, I'm gonna I speak. We had an event. We had the same in Australia. We have that. We had the same event in India, um, where uh, we call it. I don't know what the heck they call it, but we had 700 people come to our Indian event just a month ago. In fact, it was 
so big that they had to reschedule Infocom Indy or something around that because we had all these people. And I sat there for two or three hours and delivered this this presentation, shall we say. And guess what? They get it. They do buildings. Their technology, you know, I, they get it tremendously. Uh, our industry has to get it. And we got to get out of the – I, I got to combine the trade shows so it'll so I can do these things. What What – where is our industry headed? You know, you don't want to get me started on this subject, but we, no, you know, we we are Preach. we want to talk about green and we want to talk about energy management and we want to talk about all this stuff. We as an industry, you know, Crestro does. But where in our industry do we embrace simple things like high voltage and architectural dimming and power controls and things that nothing? We don't how can we talk about Light bulbs when we don't when we and, and saving energy when we don't talk about how to put light bulbs in, mm-hmm. oh, and enterprise wide solutions. Um, that's where our I believe our industry has to go, and that's where we put our resources into education. If I was to pull out of out of Infocom, what I'd do is I'd make my own trade show on on taking over the world and running the buildings. You know that that's not because I'm mad at something or I want to making something else it's because i'm not i'm not convinced that that so that that association or that event is is furthering our industry along at the pace um that 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 i feel we as an industry not as a company you know i, yeah. I say it all day long i have no problem in 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 me and crestron competing and and being a a, a viable uh, entity and player in our industry. I'm more concerned about our industry being a viable into an industry in the world landscape out there. Yeah, because as it goes, so do you. I mean, that's you know. Right. Fourteen years ago, we brought Ethernet to this industry. We were the, we were the first ones, and our industry, you know, balked at that. We we made a box called that we had. Ser- we we made a box that we sold for a hundred dollars that we called a CEN OEM box. It had serial in and Ethernet out. We tried to sell it to projector manufacturers, and we got thrown out of Dodge. Um, the rest is history, you know. But my only problem is we're there today again, and we don't have fourteen years. Yeah. No, you're right. You don't. Because people like you know Cisco and people like that are gonna try to figure out ways to yeah, take but, over but the I, world. Not, not, I don't mean I don't mean to pick on Cisco, but but that whole that industry does not know what we know. They they have that network, but look what us as a look what us as an industry have learned about all. I mean, look, you guys, we're in this business, and I, I've been in this business thirty some odd years. You walk into a room. Okay, and you're supposed to quote do this room. Look at all the different moving parts and all the stuff in here. That an AV guy can do that. No Cisco guy can do that. If they could do that, why did they buy Tamberg? They oh, buy, it. you know, they don't know what we know. We can do that, but we've got to change. Yeah, that's true. I think if you if you ever if you ever uh, retire from Crestron, you should be a preacher. But that's just me. <laughs> really? I, I, you almost had me saying Amen. That's the only reason I say that. So. I wanted to be a politician because there you can say anything. <laughs> well, that's true. That is true. Uh, one last story, guys. Um, uh, is uh, Infocom announced this week that they are streamlining their membership. Uh, so for 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 you, uh, Mr. Klein, it'll be five hundred dollars. Thank you. Uh, and for you, Mr. Fergoza, if it's just just you, it'll be one hundred fifty dollars. Thank you. Uh, and um, what it is, like- huh? <laughs> I honestly didn't know that till I read this. Yeah. Uh, so, well, and the other thing is, um, 
They're uh, they're taking away your edu bucks, and I say that kind of tongue in cheek. Uh, they are and they're not, and they're not. And if you if you have them, you have until the end of the year to use them. Mm-hmm. But they're also, you know, if you remember, which which I am, and and a lot of people are, and Crestron is is a corporate member, and um, it gives you free training now. So the, the things that did cost you your quote unquote edu bucks, they're offering for free to members, and also the. The um, studies and, and, and the information and everything else that goes with being an Infocom member. Um, Rich, is this something that they had to do? Apparently, according to the press release that they had, they said that they had complaints about the different tiers and stuff like that. So now it's just two. Either you're a business or you're an individual. So did they yeah. have to do this? Yeah. Uh, you know, again, I, I think that organizations across the board, they're, they're losing membership. And they're trying to find ways to retain the membership uh you know again it comes down to the financial elements for companies who have you know a you know you're dealing with the companies who have survived the economic turndown who are now working their way back up who are saying look we need to be fiscally responsible for every dollar that we put out and we need to be able to justify every dollar that pulls out and so what's happening is that they're in the same way that a consumer says look i've got less money to spend so i need to get value for my dollars. And I'm going to go to each of my vendors and say, where can I get the value? Dealers, I think, are doing the same thing. They're going to each of their organizations and saying, if we truly are going to thrive as an organization, we need to work together as opposed to someplace where I just give you money. I don't really know why I'm giving you money, but I do. (laughs) Um, And away we go. And I think what this winds up being is a way for Infocom to be able to say, two choices. This is how you belong. This is what we offer you. Uh, Cedia is, you know, restructuring in, in, in some similar manner, saying, you know, how are we actually helping you as an organization? And I think that's what Infocom is trying to do right now. I mean, it, they're revising the membership structure. That basically, to me, that says, hey, look, we want to keep you, so we're going to find ways to make it worth your while to stay. And to do that, we're going to make it a whole lot less complicated. Yeah. So, Mr. Klein, I guess all you uh-huh. have to pay is 500 bucks now a year, so... So I paid the thousand. Do I get five hundred back? <laughs> that I don't know. We'll have to talk to to, to Randy Look, Lemke. So. I'll just say, I, I, as I said, I didn't know anything until you just said it, but uh, or until I read that thing in advance of this uh, uh, this this recording. But I, I support anything that supports education. That's yeah. all I'll say to it. If it, if it. if it helps and advances education, I'm all for it. Yeah, and that, that is one of the really cool things about this is because now as organizations, you can the, – the one thing that they did say was that you know sometimes the management of the EduBucks was weird and you know, they didn't know who was mm-hmm. in charge of it. Now all you have to do is, you know what, I'm, a, I'm an employee of Crestron. I do my login and password, and I go and take a, take the class online. So yeah, yeah that's... typical example of we try to get too cute. You know, sign up, come to school. You yeah. don't have to get coupons and rub your stomach three times and then just <laughs> go to work. All right. Uh, well, gentlemen, that's all I have. Unless you guys have anything else. No. Anything? All right. Um, no, I, I, I'm Friday just really glad that we had these <laughs> fellows on. This was again, thank you, uh, Mr. Albright, for uh, bringing in the uh, these assembled powerhouses that be. It's uh, it's it's pretty cool. I'll tell you what. I think th- this we're been, yeah, this has been fun. Um, Thanks for calling me that because in a couple hours when I go home, I'm certainly not recognizing well, that. Well, none, none of us are. <laughs> none, none of us are. So. Yeah. 
Uh, Fred Bargetzi, uh, Vice President of Technology uh, for Crestron, had to had to drop off as well as as Michael Drainer from from Tech Electronics. But thank both of them, uh, Mr. Klein, Randy. Thank you so much. I, I really, really appreciate it. this. Has been a lot of fun. Uh, Randy Klein from the Executive Vice President for Crestron Electronics, um, and you can find. Well, do you have a Twitter? Do you Twitter? Do you tweet me? Yeah. No. Okay. And you know, my, the marketing people have have what? been begging me to do it, and I, I just, uh, I'm. You know what the problem is? I think if I do it, then I, I mean, it's, I'm going to have to keep doing it. No, it doesn't. <laughs> It? It's like <laughs> blogging. You could start a blog and just drop it. I mean, they're they're begging me to do it, so I'm gonna get on. I'm gonna get into the '90s one of these quick days. The '90s. Yeah. Get yourself an, an alpha numeric. We're gonna get him a pager. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. I got one. But the batteries wore out. And I don't know what to do with it. I've got some triple A's over here. I'll, I'll lend you. That's that. That's our title, AV Nation. Randy gets a pager. Randy gets I get a pager. Yeah. All right. Uh, the yellow gentleman that's that's left there is uh, is Mr. Rich Fergoza. He is from FergozaDesign.com. FergozaDesign.com. He does tweet and, and quite a bit actually uh, from the uh, the lush mansions that he uh, he programs and puts in. Uh, his is R Fergoza. Is Correct. that right? Okay. Yep. R, at R Fergoza. All right. Uh, thank you guys very much. Uh, I've been the host, Tim Albright. Uh, you can, if you'd like, follow my tweets as as sparse as they are. <laughs> That's the reason I know you can start and stop, Randy. Is mm-hmm. I don't do it very often. It's at TD Albright, Tim David Albright. But more importantly for me and for everybody here at AV Nation, uh, check out the website. If you found this this podcast either through iTunes or through the, the website, uh, check us out there. It's ravepubs.com forward slash AV Nation ravepubs.com forward slash AV Nation. It's all the time we have for AV Week. 